What's going on, everybody? It's technically Wednesday, and I am finally back. Thank you. This is another episode of To Be Continued with Cristela Alonso. As always, guess who I am? I'm the Cristela Alonso part. What's up? Hey, guys, did you miss me? Um, I'm, ha- I'm back, you know? Back streets, back. All right. I hope everyone's doing... Um, I hope everybody's doing okay. I, like I say, I always hope that you're doing the best that you can. Um, it's been weeks since I've posted a podcast and a thousand apologies for that. I mean that. The truth is, I have been really busy the past couple of weeks with work. And I have to be honest, I feel terrible saying that because I know a lot of people are struggling, but... It's the truth, and I just wanted everyone to know that I I wasn't neglecting this podcast by choice. Um, like I said, I, I hope everyone's doing the best that they can that they can. Um, past week or so, you know, the past week or so, I I haven't been feeling great physically. I don't know what's wrong, but honestly, my lifestyle has changed a bit, and I I think that has something to do with it. Um, first of all, I am still under lockdown by choice. Uh, I live in my apartment and have had no contact with friends or family in a long time, which is why I hate that I've been feeling off lately. You know, um, I don't really have an excuse for not feeling well, you know, aside, well, obviously aside from the fact that I'm diabetic, which actually is a great reason that I might not feel good. But, you know, all day long I wake up and I I just hang around my apartment working. And and let me say, have I been working? Oh, my God. Uh, You know, I will be honest. I have been very surprised at how in demand I've been in the past month or so. Uh, Throughout the entire pandemic, really, I... I have had work, and honestly, I don't know how or why. Um, Again, like I said, it's something I really kind of wanted to keep quiet about because I know not everyone is in the same boat, but um, I wanted to mention it because I wanted to talk about some of the stuff I've been doing, um, at least talk about what I can talk about. So um, let me get to it. Uh, So what the hell have I been up to? So... um, I've been doing voiceover work during this time, which, can I just say, I never, ever thought I would ever get to do something like this. You know, growing up, I didn't even know that this was even a thing, you know? Uh, I'll break it down for some that might not know it, but, you know, uh, that might not know what voiceover is. So voiceover is exactly what that is. Voice over things. Sometimes you narrate books. Sometimes you voice a character for something animated. Sometimes you're you're the voice in a commercial. You know, so many things. Like when you see a coffee commercial, it's like, mm, time for that cup of coffee in the morning. Like that's voiceover, right? It's just you doing that. And I think it's interesting. I wanted to talk about it for a minute because it's interesting. I wanted to tell you about how I got to do this kind of work because it was really by accident. 
Now, I have mentioned it before in other podcasts, but again, I'm going to repeat. Sorry. I just want to catch people up if they haven't heard it in the past. Um, so I learned English by watching television, right? My mom didn't speak English. So at home, before I ever started school, all I spoke was Spanish. Spanish is my first language. I like to talk about this because I think it's important for people to know that my life in that aspect is not special, okay? Meaning that there are a lot of people with my kind of story, you know, that we don't really mention or we don't really celebrate in a way. And I know I've talked about this and, you know, like I said, in other episodes, but it's this thing where, you know, um, I learned how to speak Spanish. I learned to speak English at school. I learned to speak English by watching TV, right? Um, the thing is, though, is that I never understood that it was such a special thing to be bilingual, you know, and I, uh, you know, I think any, any child of immigrants or anybody from an immigrant family that speaks two languages or what have you, I think a, a lot of us tend to take that for granted, you know, that skill, because, you know, it's just our way of life. We just understand that that's what we do, right? I mean, I've spoken numerous times about how, you know, I used to translate the news for my mom growing up. I used to translate things for my mom. A lot of us do that, you know, and it's weird because again, I never realized that it was this skill until I realized when I got older that not everybody spoke two languages, you know? And so it's this weird thing also because, you know, I, I say it in stand up. I talk about it in my, in my, spe in, well, not in my special. I haven't shot a new special yet, but, um, hopefully in 2021, depending on how things go. But it's this thing where, um, I talk about how I learned to speak English and I imitated the voices I heard on TV. So compared to my siblings, I don't have a thick accent. You know, they, they have more of an accent with certain words. And that's because all of them uh, spent time living in Mexico, you know. But uh, again, that's not, it's, it's weird. It's like, it's not special in that so many people have that story. But the fact that I learn to speak English like that, that I speak two languages, that's special because not enough of those stories have been told yet. Does that make sense? So... The interesting thing that I also want to point out is that I was also born in the United States, right? So I'm, you know, quote unquote, American, but because of who my parent was, I was raised to speak Spanish also because my mother was from Mexico and completely unaware of a lot of the way of life in the U.S. I was raised in the way that she was. You know, and, and I say this because I always think it's important to mention that because I, all of us, we are the result, we're the result of our environment, right? We're a byproduct of where we come from, how we grew up, who we grew up with, everything, you know? So in the United States, I grew up in a very, uh, I grew up in a very similar Mexican culture that my mom grew up in, you know, and uh, because obviously that's all she knew. And, you know, it wasn't until I got into school when I had to meet other school children that necess didn't necessarily speak Spanish that I, I kind of started learning that the culture in the country that I lived in was completely different from the culture that I was learning at home. You know, and, and I mentioned this because, you know, I've noticed how so many times 
um, on social media, there seems to be this thing where I notice that um, a lot of Latinos like to tell other Latinos that they're not Latino enough. Have you noticed that? Is it just me? Because I, I feel like on my timeline, and even with me sometimes, you know, I'll have people that come to my page regardless of what I'm saying. So I say this, I say that, you know, somebody will criticize my Spanish, right? And they're like, oh, you don't speak Spanish well enough, right? And when people tell me that, I always think the same thing. Like, I don't speak Spanish? Then how the hell did my Mexican mother ever understand what I was saying? That woman never spoke English, you know? So was she like messing with me all this time? Like she was faking it? What? You know, I say it because... I feel like we live in a time right now where we really, we really have to, I feel like we really have to kind of take a good look at how we are and maybe see if we can change that. You know, I think that, you know, a lot of people have always said, you know, you're not Latino enough. You don't speak Spanish enough, blah, 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 blah. But personally to me, I say that being Latino varies from person to person. Any ethnicity does, you know? It's like any any person that comes from another country, I think, deals with the same problem, you know? To me, if you're Latino, you're Latino. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Like, don't let anybody tell you that you're not enough. You're so enough. Just because you don't match what other people's perceptions of Latino are, that doesn't mean you're not. That just means that you don't fit their mold. You know what I mean? I was actually, um, today I, today I got an email with the word, uh, I hope I say it right. Uh, palante, palante, you know what I mean? Like, like kind of slang, like para adelante, you know, like slang. And it was this thing where I read the word and the first thing I thought was, that's an interesting word. I didn't grow up with that word. You know what I mean? Obviously, you know, I have words that are similar to it that's in my vernacular, but like that specific word I, I'm not familiar with, you know? And um, it's just a, a question that's being asked of me, like, you know, for this project that I'm going to do where they're like, well, what does that word mean to you? And I started thinking about it. And honestly, just, you know, off the top of my head, I was thinking, nothing. That word means nothing. Because I'm not the person that grew up with that word. That doesn't mean that it doesn't mean something to someone else. It just means that I probably have another word that replaces it. But that just shows ex a perfect example of how Latinos can be different, which is what I constantly talk about, right? By the way, I don't know if you can hear it, but there's a helicopter going over my head right now, my apartment building. But, you know, so back to my point, you know, I just wanted to mention that because for some reason, I feel like we live in such a weird time right now where so many of us are confined to being home. And so many of us are, you know, so many of us work from home. So many of us stay in our home. We have to, depending, you know, on what the rules are, wherever we live or what have you. And I started noticing that, you know, there's so many times online where I feel like, um, I think the negativity has to stop to some level because really what's the point? We're already so vulnerable with things happening. We should scale it back a bit, you know? 
Um, so anyway, back to my point, right? What I've been doing. So I started learning English with TV and I started imitating voices I heard, you know? So, um, I have to be honest, uh, I, if I haven't mentioned it before, um, I'll tell you that growing up, people used to make fun of the way I laughed a lot. Um, my entire life, everyone would make fun of the way that I laughed and how loud it was. And some of you might know exactly what I'm talking about because I know I laugh loud. I laugh with a lot of emotion, you know? Um, I was never trying to force it though. I just really love laughing. But, but you know how kids can be sometimes, you know, they constantly get made fun of for the, you know, and so then, you know, so me getting made fun of all the time made me have a part of me that always hated when I was laughing because I was always worried that I was getting made fun of. It wasn't until I became an adult and actually until I moved to LA that people started complimenting my laugh a lot. The thing I had always been made fun of was now being complimented. And man, I thought it was so weird. You know, um, here's a story. So like the year that I had Christella on the air, I invited Roseanne to come and do a guest spot on the show. Now, that's someone, Roseanne is someone who was notoriously known for their laugh. Um, I had to ask her personally, like through the phone, you know, I had to call her and ask her to be on my show. And um, to me, Roseanne, the show growing up was so important to me because it, it was really the closest to what my family was really like, you know, in regards to being blue collar, working class, you know. So obviously the story, it's weird because this happened before um, she went viral years later for, for things she said, you know, um, which by the way, it was very hard for me to process because I loved her growing up and also, when I had my show, and she said yes, and she came to do it the first time, I remember this moment where I went to say hello to her in person because I hadn't met her. I hadn't seen her in person yet. Um, she was uh, getting her hair and makeup done. And I remember walking in and saying hello. And she was in there by herself with just the hair department working on her. And after I said hello, I was leaving. And Roseanne asked me to stay. And I did. I remember. I couldn't believe that I was sitting there with Roseanne. And we talked for a long time. Oh, I remember there was this moment where she asked me how I felt about having a show named after me. And it was this moment where I couldn't believe that that woman had asked me that question. And I remember I asked her the same thing. I asked her, 
how did it feel having a show named after you? And that started this long conversation about us, you know, talking about the struggles we had, the unrealistic expectations, these moments, everything, you know. I remember when we taped the episode before a live studio audience, people weren't expecting her. Uh, it was a surprise. So the moment we shot in front of that live studio audience and she walked in, the audience lost it, like lost it. They all couldn't believe she was there. Like, hell, I couldn't believe she was there, you know? In between takes, we would both talk and and both of our laughs combined made so many people laugh at how we both sounded laughing. And it felt so good and so unbelievable because her laugh and my laugh together, that's just like we were like a Power Ranger. You know what I mean? Like join forces, we're Transformers, you know? It was so strong. And I remember the week that the episode was coming out, the network showed a promo for it. And the, the promo started with this booming laugh as the announcer said, she's back. And we saw, like, we cut to Roseanne. You saw Roseanne. And I remember seeing that promo for the first time and thinking, oh, my God, that's not Roseanne's laugh. That's my laugh. They used my laugh. And for a second, I couldn't remember, like, I couldn't believe that my laugh was being used for her appearance. And I remember thinking it was so cool, right? And obviously, you know, like I said, after the show was canceled, that's when Roseanne came back to air and then she went viral for uh, derogatory marks, she said. And I remember thinking that I obviously knew what she had said was wrong, you know? And it's weird because in that instance, you have to think like this woman was so important to me getting here because she was such a an influence. But then again, I can't support anything she said because it was wrong. I mean, when it comes down to it, the more the most important thing to me in life is that people are valued at people. You know, I mean, right is right. So anyway, after my show got canceled, that's when I got the job for Cars 3 doing the voice of Cruz Ramirez. It was during that time that I got to realize that I could actually work for just using my voice. What? No way. I mean, come on. I talk, I've talked about, you know, my family was super poor. We're working class. The idea that I could get a job by talking was bananas. Like it was totally platanos. Like the more I started to work on Cars 3 too, like, you know, as well, the bigger my part got. You know, originally it was supposed to be a small part, but the more I would go in, the bigger it got. Then during breaks and during lunch, I started telling stories to Pixar about my childhood. And then I would notice that themes from my life were popping up in the movie as part of the character's journey, you know? I'd get into the studio and I noticed I was making people laugh with just my voice. And then I laughed. I started laughing at some takes because I thought what the li- I thought the lines were funny and they wanted to use it more. And I couldn't believe that people were actually excited about my laugh. Because again, my laugh was something that people just couldn't stand about me when I was a kid. So I started playing more with it and I started creating this character in a really bubbly way. And that's how the personality for Cruz came to be. 
But it was weird because, like, you know, obviously Pixar, they do animated movies. They do these fantastic movies that I absolutely adore. And here I was laughing. <laughs> I was laughing. And they were loving my laugh. And it felt so weird because... I remember part of me kept thinking, like, were the kids wrong? Because it used to hurt so much. And then I think I realized during that time that sometimes when you're young and you have that thing that makes you different from others, it's, it's not a fault. It's not a flaw. That's what makes you special. And it was weird because it took me decades to understand that. But how crazy, but how crazy was it that I realized that because I was getting to use my voice and my laugh for such a big company known for voice. It was so crazy, you know? Well, that eventually, obviously, that started more voiceover stuff for me. And uh, now we're here, cut to right now. And, you know, during the pandemic, when we can't do a lot of work like the kind I do, you know, like stand-up shows or, you know, anything like that, voiceover has been good to me. Luckily. Thank you. Luckily. So during this pandemic, I had to record the second season of uh, His Dark Materials. That's a BBC show that is also shown on HBO. I play the part of Hester. Uh, a Hester is uh, a hare, you know, like like a, like a rabbit, a conejo. So I had to convert a closet into a recording studio to do the lines in my apartment because normally I would go to a recording studio, but hello, of course, I can't do this right now. So to make my closet into a studio, I hung up blankets on the walls for padding for the sound. I had my laptop so that I could talk to London while well, I had another screen going for the lines. Like I was doing stuff with London like in my closet and I'm thinking, oh, what is going on? What is life? You know, um, I couldn't sit down. So I had to stand for hours. And then when I was done, the moment I sat down, my back would hurt because guess what? That's what happens to your backs when you're in your 40s. You don't have to do anything and your back's like, oh, pues now I'm in pain. It's really weird, you know? So also, I think if I'm not mistaken, I think that second season starts maybe in November. I'm not sure. So BBC, HBO, November, His Dark Materials. Um, I also just wrapped another voiceover project that I'm doing with, uh, with Pixar and no, it's not Cars 4. Uh, I would never be public if I was doing Cars 4. Are you kidding me? I know. I'm just doing like a little side project for them. Um, you know, but if you follow me, you know, Pixar is my favorite company to work with. So if they wanted me to just read the names off their phone directory, I would totally do that in a heartbeat, you know? Uh, so, um... I should also mention 
that for both projects, each company sent me a recording studio kit that I had to set up to record, like the, the microphones, like the, you know, like the, the screen, the, like all, all this like fancy stuff. Right. So I had to get online with the tech people to have them walk me through it. And honestly, I had never felt dumber, but again, you got to work with what you have. You know, the tricky part is that once I'm done with the recordings, guess what? I have to break down the studio and package it up and send it out, which terrifies me because there are so many wires and cables and the tech people, I love them, but they're so used to these like, like cables and wires and equipment. Like they just casually throw it out. Like you need a cable and the B port and a blah, blah. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm not fluent in technology. So, so that's what I've been doing voiceover wise. Um, but that's not everything I've been doing. So I'm going to talk to you as much as I can, uh, about what I've been doing. So, and it's very time consuming and I love it. So I've been working on this. I've been working on this mentoring project that I can't really talk about. Now I can say that a studio and I collaborated on a mentoring program that has been, you know, around that I've been working on for the past couple of months. So again, I don't want to, I can't get really into details because we're still doing the program right now, but, um, I've been mentoring three different Latino creators with their ideas to develop for the studio. Now I haven't talked about it because I've been too busy with the mentoring, but I will say that, uh, when I say that I've been mentoring, I mean, I've been mentoring. One of the things I talked to the studio about, uh, before we started this program was that there had to be something to show for it at the end for the creators. And I, I wanted to really be able to oversee, you know, the mentoring and really be there for the writers, you know? So this is the first time the studio had done the project. So this is, uh, me and the studio working together to create this, this program, this project, you know, so I'm kind of figuring out what my job is and kind of inserting myself anywhere I can, anywhere that they'll let me insert myself. So, um, this is how the program has worked. So the, the creators, they all pitched their ideas and they got notes and, I decided to create a position. I decided to create the position in the program, um, as we've been going along. So one thing I found necessary and absolutely helpful during the pitch was that I was able to ask questions about the projects to the creators. You know, the, the way that I work, I will always say, I always want to know why you want to tell this story. You know, why? Because they're always, I, I always believe that the work, the stories have to be grounded. They have to be about something, you know, even sci-fi can have heart, you know? So why? And we all realized after that session that it was really helpful to have someone like me, like a Latina creative there to help with the process because I kind of served as a translator between executives and the talent. You know, whatever notes the executives had, I would tell, you know, I, like I tell the, the writers what they mean, you know, and, you know, it's been very helpful because 
I know from personal experience that sometimes writers, we overthink and overanalyze things when we don't have a clear explanation to why some notes are being given, you know? So I want to make it easier for the writers. I want to help them get shortcuts. And by shortcuts, I mean, you're always going to have to do the work, but sometimes you can skip a step that will allow you to not commit like to not make a mistake that was easily avoidable. You know what I mean? So, um, in the past months, again, because of the pandemic, again, I have sat through hours and hours of Zooms, just talking to the writers and helping them with their ideas. And I love doing that kind of work. The way I see it, I just want to be there to help and answer the questions I couldn't ask when I was in their position. I hope I can talk about it more specifically later, but man, it's a really cool program. It's a really cool program. We're doing a lot of cool things. You know, um, I think the project has shown how necessary it is to have diversity in the network studio side. You know, I've been able to understand certain cultural nuances that people, you know, might be unfamiliar with. So, I will, I will explain it. Like I will stand up for the writers and explain why this thing is authentic and, you know, why it's necessary. And it makes it clear to everyone, you know, and the point of this is to actually show the writers, you know, mentor the writers and ask, ask questions and kind of prepare them to develop ideas, you know, in the future. Um, just so that they have a feeling of what to expect, you know, but, um, man, it, it, it's just a really cool job. Like it's a really cool project. And I just, I think all I want to do is help, you know? So I've been doing that, you know, uh, that's all the work I've been doing. The schedules have run me ragged. I don't have much free time to myself. I do back-to-back meetings about work stuff. Um, I haven't been able to take care of myself like I, like I wish I could. The time's just not there. And um, I'm hoping that next week is, is a lot quieter. But, you know, this is also the time to be busy. And by that, I mean, like, we all don't have to be busy. Like, if you want to take a break, if you don't want to do anything, please don't do anything. What I mean is that it's about being busy and that, to me personally, right now, is such an important time for me. It's such an important time for me because it's an election year. You know, so aside from work stuff, I've also been working on the Joe Biden team for election stuff. You know, I've been doing talks online. I've been talking to different people from his staff. I've been breaking down some of the policies, you know, for like, like online Instagram. My most recent talk was about like his housing policy. You know, me and a couple other people, we try to break it down and we try to have real conversations about topics that we really care about and that are really important to us, you know? So there's a lot of things that I'm trying to do. I'm trying to keep busy because for me, I love politics. I love social, you know, I love working with social issues. And I mean, the time is now, you know, we're 90 days away from electing a president, you know, so 
uh, we got to do it. I got to do it. <laughs> you know, I got to know that when I look back at this election, I can say that, that I tried, you know? Um, so that's what I've been busy. And honestly, I haven't, you know, I've been busy with that. And I'm not even telling you everything. It's just the things that I can talk about. Again, my lack of podcasting isn't because I haven't wanted to do a podcast. It's actually quite the opposite. Um, I really hate not being able to do podcasts. Uh, I have so much fun doing them. I wasn't expecting to be so busy, and I know this about myself. Seriously, I get so sad when I can't do things that I really love to do. And I think this is probably a problem of mine, right? I always choose to work instead of taking care of myself. And I have to take care of myself, you know? But um, that's something I have to learn. It's something I've been working on. And sometimes I slip, like right now. But overall, I'm doing better. Um, Sometimes we all just have those lulls, you know what I mean? Um... I've been talking to people about this lately, now that I think about it. Maybe some of you will agree, but we've all been talking about how a lot of people working from home, it seems like, it seems like there's a lot more work to be done than when you were at an office. Does that make sense? Like I was talking to a friend and we were talking about how in Los Angeles, when we schedule meetings, we set aside time for traffic because traffic can be terrible, right? That's the way of life here. But now working from home, my friend finds himself busier because now now they can schedule more meetings for him because there's no traffic that he has to account for, you know? So he just sits all day from one meeting to another, you know, and he finds himself more exhausted now. Has that happened to anyone else working from home? You know, so with my schedule lately, I find myself going to bed late and waking up early to make sure that I have time to do everything I'm trying to do. So this past week or so, I just find myself tired. I'm not eating well, meaning like I'm not pigging out, like I'm not doing junk food stuff, but like I'm not eating well in that I forget to eat because I'm busy. You know what I mean? It's just one of those moments. And uh, I've been feeling kind of sick. Uh, which freaks me out because I, I, I'm at home. And honestly, I think I'm, when I say sick, I think I'm stressed out and tired, which leads my body to feel weird. You know what I mean? I don't think I have COVID because if I got COVID, I would have given myself COVID because, again, I have had no contact with anybody. I don't leave my apartment. Oh, and before I forget, like I said, hey, yo, We got 90 days before the election. Can you believe that? Like, I don't know about how everyone feels, but I got to be honest. These four years feel like the longest four years of my life. The last four years, how can I describe it? It feels like, ooh, it feels like I have a paper cut every day. And at one point of the day, I touch lemons. You know what I mean? I feel like, Like every time I get a paper cut, for some reason, that's the day I'm craving homemade lemonade. Why? Why do I do that? Like I get a paper cut 
those are really painful. And then an hour later, I'm like, mmm, homemade lemonade sounds delicious. Then I slice the lemons and I start writhing in pain like, damn you, lemonade. That's how I felt the last four years. So here's the deal. Look, reminder, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, right? All I can say is this. You know that little thing called the coronavirus that we've had going around? Maybe you heard of it. So the current president decided long ago not to do anything about it. The hospitals are still struggling to get PPE. Um, The guy is trying to get public schools to open, even though the school that his own son goes to won't open because it's not safe. Here's the point I'm trying to make. I swear to God, I have one. So here's the point. We got to vote, right? This is what I'm saying. If you vote for the current president and try to reelect him, that means that we will have four years of what we've been having so far. And that includes what's happening now with the coronavirus. If we reelect him, we still will have nothing done to fight the virus. He will not do anything to fight the virus because he hasn't already. This would have been the time this would have been the time to do something because he's up for re-election. The fact that he hasn't shows you shows you what he's really like. It's like that saying that like, like that Latino people say, you know, it's like, dime con quien andas y te digo, you know, y te digo quien eres, you know? Um, so I'm saying that if we reelect him, he's not going to do anything to fight the, fight the virus. And at that point, he won't even have to, a reason to try to fight it because he's already got the job for four years. What else can he do? So think about it this way, right? Let's hypothetically say that Joe Biden wins the election in November. First of all, I don't want to be like, I don't want to brag, but this is a man that believes in science. Okay. That, do you remember those days? Do you remember the days when you used to believe in science? When people believed in medicine? I mean, my God, you know what I mean? I know that's a totally new concept, but go with me, right? So he believes in science. So if Biden wins in November, Check this out. So we still have Trump till January, right? That means that nothing can change regarding the handling of the coronavirus till the end of January when Biden gets sworn in. After that, if we do have a President Biden, which by the way, remember I said he believes in science, it's going to take months to improve the situation depending on how bad we are at that point. So you know what my point is, right? I'm telling you, you gotta vote. So if you want four more years of the coronavirus, vote Donald Trump. If you want to see some improvement around the spring of 2021, vote for Biden. My name is Cristela, and I approve this message. And also, I want to make sure, um, really quick, I'm trying to like, I, ha- I feel like I have so many things to say, but I also want to wrap it up because it just seems like I'm babbling. Honestly, you guys, right now, it's almost midnight, Wednesday night. 
I'm recording it. I'm exhausted right now, but I want to upload this podcast because I told you I was going to do a new podcast. So here I am. But, you know, I'm I'm trying not to babble, so hopefully I'm not babbling. But I, you know, obviously, I've been talking about myself this entire podcast. I usually do that. It's my podcast. But I just want to make sure how everybody's doing. How are you holding up? And let me, let me tell you, be honest with yourself. It's okay to say that you're not doing well. That's normal. You know, recently I've had this situation with three friends, right? Now these three friends, uh, they don't know each other. They're all married, their parents, and they're not doing well. You know, they're at home with their loved ones. And after all these months, naturally, things are getting to them. I I think the idea of schools not opening in the fall, I think that's what really kind of broke my friends. You know what I mean? It's weird because, you know, like one of my friends lives in L.A., And I remember when they shut down the schools, um, the schools were going to be closed for two weeks. That was in March. And now we're in August, you know, and now we're like, what the hell is school? What, what is school? I forgot what school is. Right now I mention these friends because when I talk to them, when I talk to them, I can tell they're struggling a bit. And because it's three different friends, it's weird because it's obvious that they're all coming from a similar place. They're just tired. And that's normal. That doesn't mean that you don't necessarily love your family. It just means that we all need time for ourselves. And right now, that can be a hard thing to come by. Now, it's weird because I wish I could tell each of my friends about the other two friends so that they know that what they're feeling isn't weird. It's actually quite normal because I barely talk to people and the people I talk to, these three like friends of mine, they're all very, you know, they have that in common right now. But you know, I mean, I don't want to tell them that because they don't know each other. I don't think it's my place to, to tell them that, you know, I'm just trying to be positive and supportive and say, Hey, it's normal. What you're feeling is normal. You know, the truth is, it's hard because one thing that concerns me is that when we start feeling negative or, you know, anything that feels like it's negative, so many times we start being hard on ourselves because there's a feeling of guilt that makes you wonder, Why do I feel this way? Why am I such a terrible person to feel this way? But the truth is, we all feel the way we feel because we're coping with a weird time where every day we have to navigate the days like we don't know what's going to happen because this is the time we're living in. We really don't know what's going to happen. You know, it's weird because I think it would be beneficial. I think it would help my friends if if I told them that my other friends are feeling similar. You know what I mean? The truth is those feelings are normal. 
And I think the problem is, is that a lot of us don't have a space where we can just go talk about it so others can say, hey, I feel like that too. You're not alone. And I speak this from experience because I'm going to be honest, this is something, uh, uh, this is something very cool that's happened during the pandemic. So during the pandemic, my friend Juan added me to this Twitter group he has. Uh, he created this Twitter group for people he knows that play Animal Crossing. Now, if you follow me on social media, you know I play Animal Crossing. I love it. And the group itself is a mishmash of different people. And for some reason, we all just ended up in this chat. And uh, we started, you know, normal. We started giving each other things we needed for our game. We started visiting each other's islands. And then, slowly through the pandemic... We all started becoming friends. The more months passed in this time, the more personal we got with each other and the more open we became about how we were feeling. And I think what is helpful is that when someone talks in the group about how they feel, there's always someone in the group that seems to agree and say that they felt that way or they understand because it's familiar and it makes people feel comfortable. And it's interesting because this group that I'm in, it's just all these different people from all over the country. There's maybe about 20 really active people that keep in touch on a daily basis of that. But it's been a blessing to have them because it's a relief to know that when we say that we're not doing well, sometimes it's just a relief to have other people say, yeah, me too. Because then you feel like, oh man, I feel, I feel like, like it's normal to feel like this. So, you know, I hope everybody's doing good. I hope everybody's doing the best they can. I know I always say that, but man, I mean it. It's a hard time for many. You have the government not wanting to extend unemployment benefits. You have public schools that aren't opening because of safety. You have parents that struggle with childcare. I get it. I just want everyone to know that I really do appreciate everyone that takes the time out of their lives to listen to this podcast so that you can let me be a part of yours. I don't know if anyone needs to hear this, but I really think we will be okay. I really do. I've said this before in interviews where I always talk about how in my life when it seemed like my family didn't have anything, we always had hope. Because sometimes that hope, that belief, the belief in a chance is that thing that we need to believe in. But I do think that we are going to be okay. I think that right now we have to take care of ourselves and each other. So wear a mask for yourself and others. Like I said earlier, be kind to each other online. Times are tough. 
Know that how you're feeling is okay. It's absolutely okay. Your feelings are actions that happen in your mind to let you know that you're accepting the circumstances happening. That's what feelings are. If you're feeling down, feel down. It makes the good moments feel better. And no, please believe me in knowing you're not the only one feeling like that. Also a reminder, um, before I forget, porque I will forget. If you live in one of those states where you can ask, please don't forget to ask to vote by mail this election. We do not need people that are high-risk groups going out to vote in person. Donald Trump likes to say that voting by mail is dangerous and scandalous and blah, 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 and it's rigged. But the truth is, mail-in voting has been around since the Civil War. It's effective and it can save you time and effort. So if you can, please do it. So that is actually it for the week, I think. I Look, you guys, I've hit on everything. Oh, you know what? Before I forget, don't forget to fill out your census. Like, honestly, you guys, I, I really believe in the census. I'm a big supporter of the census. I got to tell you, hey, no one's going to know if you're undocumented or not. Uh, I say this, it's so important to fill out the census because right now, this is a perfect example. This is a perfect example of why you have to fill it out. All they want to know is how many people live in your house. The reason they want to do that is they want to make sure that they have enough money, that they give enough money to schools in your neighborhood, that they give enough money to hospitals in your neighborhood. They just want to know that they have everybody counted for. That way, if there is a big virus, a pandemic that breaks out, the hospitals, the areas will will know that we have enough beds for people, that we have enough services for people. Please fill out your census. See, I forgot something. So this episode has been a mishmash of everything. By the way, mishmash is one of my favorite things to say so far. Um, and I just want to touch base and say, hello, everybody. I've missed you so much. All four of you, I've missed you so much. Um, and that's it for the week. I'm literally recording this episode. Like now, now it's midnight. So now I lied to you. I posted on tw- like Instagram that I was going to post a new podcast on Wednesday and it's going to be midnight in three minutes. So I lied to you. Would I lie to you? Would I lie to you, honey? Now would I say something that wasn't true? Hell yeah. I just lied to you all. So I'm going to actually go and upload this podcast and then go to sleep. Um, I'm uploading this on Thursday after midnight. I'm sorry. I really tried my hardest. It's just been a couple of weeks that have been way busy for, which again, I'm very thankful for. So again, thank you to my four listeners for listening. Thank you for being patient. I can't wait to get to the point where we... Seriously, I gotta take my time with this. Like, honestly, I can't wait to get to the point where we can all get together somewhere in the future at a stand-up show and see each other in person. The feeling I get when I'm on that stage and I see people in the audience. I miss it. I just miss that connection I have with people. I miss it so much. And I hope we get to see each other soon. So having said that, till next week, this is finally, can you believe, finally, this is 
finally been another episode of To Be Continued with Christella Alonzo. As always, guess what? I am Christella Alonzo, just like I was an hour ago. Um, so thank you guys for tuning in. I will talk to you next week. I hope everybody has an awesome week. Remember, just go with it. Do the best you can. And I'll see you next Wednesday. Uh, bye-bye. <laughs> oh, I'm laughing. <laughs>